Welcome yet again to another episode of What Would Jeevas Do? This is your host, Nick Jeevas, the one and only, and oh, never forget what a friend you have in me. This episode was special because it, it restored my soul. I truly mean that. Our soul is like our body. It needs nourishment. It needs rest. It needs renewal. And I think we got that with our latest guest, and that was Pastor Greg Laurie. Greg Laurie, famous guy, has a church out in California, big media figure, nationally syndicated radio host. He's an author. He's written 70 books. We get into that a little bit in the show, but I grew up listening to him in my mother's station wagon, sitting in the back, four or five years old. And we cover that in the show as well, but I did this episode for my mother as a shout out to the wonderful person that she is because, I mean, she's in line for sainthood. And the big reason that is so is because she listened to Greg's show, A New Beginning. That's the name of it. She credited that with inspiring her to join a Bible study group of other women called Renew. And it brought her back to her faith. And even as a small child, I saw a light burning inside of her that was unique. And that stuck in my brain. And I remember snippets of things Greg would say, and his voice was so towering, so distinctive. It left an impression. I was at work the other day. I noticed that he had done some op-ed work for Fox where I work, and I'd interviewed him for foxnews.com, and I encourage you to read that story. And uh, just look up Nick Jeebus, Greg Laurie on Google, and you'll find it. But he had some great things to say in that interview. It was a little different in tone, but I had him on this show immediately right after. And in the podcast, he talked about how to pray, talks about what God wants for us, how we can understand what's actually really important. In short, things that matter. I went to church tonight. I'm recording this on a Sunday. I went to church this evening. And people, it's understandable not to want to go to church. It's a Sunday. It's usually a day off, a day of rest for a lot of people. And it's hard to get in gear and want to go out there and want to do it because you say to yourself, usually, if I go and it doesn't work, then I've wasted time. I've wasted valuable resting time, and if it doesn't give me peace or it doesn't make me feel better right away, we have that immediacy, that demand for, I want it now. But I forgot that it wasn't, it's obviously receiving Jesus, being one with Jesus, being there, reflecting, praying. But it's also being given a reminder of what actually matters in your life. We talked about that when I had Tucker Carlson on. He said, in the last moments of your life, Are you really going to be worried about the things that worried you during the week, like your job? Are you going to be worried about what you did, who you spent the time with? God forbid, thinking about what comes next. That's why I think this episode is very important. Because people do not stop enough to give themselves enough credit to realize that it's just a job, or it's just a, a basketball game, or it's just a talent show, you know, a play. 
And the word temporal came up a lot in the episode, the idea of impermanence. We live in a, a world where we expect things to to last and we forget sometimes that everything is fleeting. We are, in essence, dust. I think people find that morbid and they don't talk about it because it scares them. But it's in recognizing your own mortality, and we talk about this in the episode as well, that you come to realize that you are here for a specific purpose. Your time here is bookended because you've been given that time to complete a mission. Completely within your power, whether you want to complete that mission or not, or seek it out. But Greg had some good advice on on doing so and how to cope with it. We talked about so much because he's been through a lot. I mean, he started a church. He lost a son. He's become a grandfather. He's a national figure, written dozens of books about various topics. And he did it all without ever knowing his real dad. But it was God the Father, Jesus, that remained the constant in his life and that he said continued to give him strength and his wife strength to this day. We talk about trusting in God, feeling his presence, knowing that what we want is not always what we need and how difficult that can be. Knowing that can be a burden. But talking with him, Greg, it made me think of this, and then I'll hand it off to him, and you can hear him in his own words. But this episode reminds me of something I tell myself when I feel like the world or the universe is too big to wrap my hands around. We are but a speck of paint upon what is really a beautiful canvas of the world and of the universe and of existence. And that is life. Our job as that speck of paint is to shine as vibrantly as we can, as long as we can. We may not ever be able to be the green pastures or sparkle blue like the sky. But wherever we are on the painting, when you pull it all together as a whole, it's magnanimous, it's gorgeous, it's otherworldly. In a sense, it reminds you how small we are, but it also reminds you of how big we can become when we have God's help and the blessings of his grace in a relationship with something bigger than us. True believer or not, humility is always the preferred method. It's always the way to go. Even taking religion out of the equation for a quick second, knowing that there's most likely something bigger than you out there, that you're tied to one another, that it goes deeper than the surface. That's what life's about, that journey, seeking to find, to hold on, and to realize that when our thoughts are in line, we can do anything, including, but not limited to, repairing the world and easing the suffering of those who are in pain. So it was deep, it was funny, it was a very truth-filled episode, but above all, it was done for a reason, and that reason is God's glory. So without further ado, we're going to let one of the all-time greats take it away, Pastor Greg Laurie. So Greg, obviously, you know, you've been through quite a bit, and you've had a very long spiritual journey continues to this day. Do you ever feel God speaking through you? I know sometimes people feel like when they say something, it's so well put and truthful or, or to the point that it's almost like they didn't even think it. 
You ever have moments like that? Yes, I have. And, you know, you pray for moments like that because when all cylinders are firing and, and you feel the Lord is actually communicating through you, it's a wonderful thing. And I have to say it's even quite effortless. And uh, and then there are times that, you know, I don't feel that way. Even when I'm speaking, it's, you know, I'm, it's more of an effort, it seems, on my part. But uh, you pray for that for that blessing of God that he would give you just the right word. You know, the Bible says that that a word that is fitly spoken is like an apple of gold in a frame of silver. And I think, you know, when you're sharing something with someone maybe who's hurting or is in need, and the Lord gives you just that right word at the right moment, it, it can make all the difference in the world. I know for people that have shared with me, for God has spoken to them, to me, it, it, it really is so helpful in so many ways. It really is, you know, otherworldly, isn't it? When you when you feel that spirit flow through you, and you, you couldn't have put it any better. So it's it's an amazing. Yeah, thing it's supernatural, it. you know. But it, but the interesting thing is, it's supernatural, natural, and and by that I mean it's not like I you know lose my my faculties and I have to speak in a strange voice. God is speaking <laughs> now. It's just conversational still. Yes. But then you just realize this is. This is not something I really thought up just now. This is something that I, I think the Lord has given me to share with this person. I'm very reluctant to say to someone, God told me to say this to you, because I don't know. But but I think sometimes someone will say, wow, the Lord just spoke to me through you. I know I'm in safe ground when I'm quoting scripture and when I'm pointing people to the word of God, because that's God's message to us. So I try to base what I say to people on what the Bible says, not just what my opinion is on any given subject, because frankly, my opinion isn't any more important than anybody else's opinion, but I have great confidence in the message of Scripture to give to people. And you have such a distinct voice, you know, it's so recognizable, you know, hearing it on the radio, I remember it back in the day, and was that ever, you know, on your mind when you went into radio and preaching, because, you know, you really, it does carry, and it has a certain confidence, but also, like you said, a humility to know when to defer to the good book. Uh, did that play a part in you getting into radio at all? Or You know, it, it didn't, Nick. Thanks for saying it. I know you told me earlier that you listened to me when you were a little boy so on the radio because your mom listened. And if your mom's listening to this podcast, hello. <laughs> <laughs> her name's Judy. She her. loves you. She loves you, Greg. Judy. Her name is Judy? Her name is Judy, yep. Hello, Judy. Um, so... You know, I never thought of it, and you know, it's just my voice. You know, I don't think of it, all oh, my voice is different or unique. It's, it's just the voice I have. But uh, I, you know, I, the funny thing is I'm recognized more often by my voice than my face. I'll have, pe I'll talk to people that they won't recognize me in any way, and then I'll say something, and they say, <laughs> I've heard you somewhere before. I'll say, really? They say, yeah, I, I don't, your voice sounds so familiar, and then I'll tell them I'm on radio. Yes, I've, you know, I've heard you, and so forth. So it's interesting. I, I never really thought about it, and it had no uh, effect on me going into radio. I just wanted to communicate with more people, and that's why we do have a radio show. We're heard in about 1,800 markets on any given day, Monday through Friday, around the world. So it's very exciting to think that we can be encouraging to people. You brought it up, so I was going to share, share this at the end, but I wanted to share it with you now, and I want it to be on record for the show. So I think it's good that you mentioned my mother. And um, there's a lot of layers to that, and me knowing who you are and hearing you. My grandmother, my mother's mother, 
uh, when her husband passed away, she became a Carmelite nun. And she's been in there for about 20, 20 years now. Wow. And yeah, amazing, right? And uh, she had 12 kids. My mother was one of 12. And My goodness. I, isn't it amazing? I couldn't believe it myself when I was living in it, you know? And my mother had is a very faithful woman and very spiritual, loves God, and was was raised on that. But in her youth, as we talked about earlier, you and I, you know, it's easy to fall away, kind of rebel, let it slip. But I'm four years old. I'm in a Ford station wagon. I'm sitting in the back, and my mom turns on the radio, and I hear this, like I said, very distinct voice uh, talking about how uh, Adam and Eve, how Adam was trying to pawn off what he had done on Eve, and you were making – you know, jokingly referring to Adam's kind of inner dialogue. Something about waking yeah. up a rib short. And I remember laughing at that. <laughs> you know, like, I, I never forgot that, you know, 25 years. And my mother credits you with bringing her back to, to, to church, to Catholicism, to her faith. And, I mean, even I, as a child, I didn't forget. There are moments in my head, I can't remember certain things, you know, but that I remember clearly. And uh, I myself listened to you later. I think we talked a little bit about this as well, um, but the temporalness of life, you know, the temporary. Um, I, I had to overcome spinal cancer, brain cancer. I'd broken my back. And all you can do is listen. When you have that kind of injury, you're laid up a lot. You can listen or watch or read. And I would listen to some of your clips during those times, and uh, I just wanted to get it on record that all three of us were affected by your ministry. So um, it's – it goes far and wide, and, and we were deeply, deeply moved by the words you had to say and what you had to share. So I wanted to thank you for that before we Well, Nick, thank you so much. I, I so appreciate that. First of all, you made me feel very old, but that's okay. <laughs> I am, I'm actually older than your mom, Nick, because I'm 67. <laughs> but, you know, that little, I still share kind of that inner dialogue. That basically, what I say is, you know, after Adam sinned, you know, the Lord asked him, did you eat of the forbidden fruit? And Adam said, it's the woman you gave me to the Lord. <laughs> and then that what I add is, Adam might have said, Lord, I've taken up, I wake up, a rib's missing, and she's here. Yeah, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably what I said way back when, when you were a little boy in the back of the car. But I'm glad that the, that anything I've said has been able to help you. And, and it should look, it's God's words. And I just carry them uh, to people the best that I can. I try to make it engaging. I try to make it understandable to people. And, you know, because of, I mean, I was, before I was a preacher, I was a cartoonist. So I think in comical images and pictures, so that's just the way I kind of process information. But, you know, it's my delight and privilege to share it with other people. And anything that changes a life, that's a work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, and I'm thankful to be a small part of that. Amen. You ever have a bad day, think of Judy, Nick, and Doris, and uh, you'll, you'll know that at least in that corner of, of the world, you had a big impact. Um, I love that. In speaking of that, you know, my mother did have a bit of a, I don't want to call it a, a crisis of faith, because I, I don't know if that describes it per se, but it was similar. And I wanted to ask you, what what is the best medicine for a crisis of faith, especially with Christianity? What what is the best remedy when you're at that crossroad? Well, let me talk about when I had my crisis of faith. I don't know if I'd call it that, but we'll just call it a crisis. Okay. Uh, it was uh, over 11 years ago, my son was killed in an automobile accident. And when I heard the news, I was completely devastated. It was like time stood still and all the air was sucked out of the room. And I couldn't believe the words I was hearing. And 
my house immediately filled with, filled with well-wishers. And honestly, a lot of people, things they said to me were not only not helpful, they were in some ways hurtful. One person said to me, well, if it doesn't make, if it doesn't kill you, it only makes you stronger. I'm thinking, what kind of thing is that to say to somebody that just lost their son? And, and you know, people mean well, but they don't know what to say to someone who's hurting. But here is what helped me to the most difficult time of my life. Number one, it was the Word of God. You know, not just little platitudes, little Instagram posts and things you see on Pinterest, cute little sayings. I mean the Bible, the Word of God, hearing the Scripture. It, it really would help me get perspective because there would be times when I would have a memory of my son and it would trigger, uh, and I would go, trigger me and I would go into a very black hole. And, and I would literally quote scripture to myself to remind me uh, of what the Bible says and what is true. As an example, I would think to myself, I'm never going to see my son again. And I would say, and I'd actually preach to myself. And I'd say, now, Greg, you listen to me. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. And I would say, Greg, you're going to see your son again. And it would sort of just pull me out of the hole. So, number one, it was the Word of God. Number two, it was the people of God. It was being around Christians. And so going to church, worshiping, hearing the Word of God. You know, preachers need to hear it, too. It's not just for everybody else. It's for all of us. Uh, Just hearing the message of Scripture really helped me. And, And another thing that really helped me was just great music that honored God. And as I would listen to, uh, you know, songs written by some people I know and others that are just so inspiring, it would elevate me. Uh, and, and, you know, and also at, at having good friends around me who are good listeners and would kind of walk with you through this difficult time. And I had a lot of good friends that really made all the difference in the world. You know, we can't, we can't, we can't do life alone. Well, we can't. But it'll be very hard. We need each other. We're designed for interaction, for communication, and that's why I think it's such a great thing to be in a church family and have close friends that you can talk to. And, you know, I've read that many young people today would rather text somebody than talk to them. Yes. And, you know, we need to put the phones down and start talking again to each other, not just about each other on social media. Amen. I agree. We've become lost in it. And even on no. the, even on the street, you know, you bump into people literally who are gluten, totally, you know. And I don't find it's God true. on Google. I don't find God in search engine optimization terms these days. So, no, you know, that's I, right. I'm right. I'm right there with you. And and with that, you would think you know praying instead would be a wiser move. When you pray, what do you what do you ask God for? Uh, other than you know, obviously worshiping God, thanking God. But when you do make requests. You pray for peace. Personally, if you don't mind sharing, what is your, what's your style? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, before I answer that, I just wanted to, uh, I found a quote that I found very interesting uh, about social media. Uh, first of all, the quote is, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove in the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time, end quote. <laughs> and I like that because we'll often say, well, I don't have time to pray. Oh, yeah? Well, do you have time for social media? 
You know, the latest research says Americans check their social media 17 times a day. That's basically once every waking hour. And teenagers spend nine hours every waking day consuming media. So, yeah, we make time for what we want to make time for. Uh, coming back to prayer. To me, prayer is just, it's communication with God. Uh, obviously, I bring my problems to the Lord. I bring my anxieties to the Lord. Because the Bible says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Mm. And the peace of God that passes all human understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So I like to encourage people, turn your worries into prayers. So the next time a worry comes, and we all have our worries and anxieties that we deal with, turn it into a prayer. To say, Lord, I, I just put this in your hands, and, and I ask you to help me with this. And a lot of times for me, it's not just asking for things from God, but just communicating with God. I think it's important to tell the Lord we love him and to give thanks. You know, we're we're so quick with a petition, i.e., I need something, and, and it's okay. The Bible tells us to ask God for what we need. In fact, the Bible even says, you have not because you ask not, but we should also remember we need to just thank the Lord. I mean, if you're married and you only ask your spouse all day long, I need this, I need that, I want this, I want that. How about just saying, you know, I love you, you look beautiful today, I'm thankful for you, I appreciate this about you, you know. And the Lord, the Lord loves to hear this, not because he's insecure, but because he longs for communication with us. So uh, prayer is is really the way that we just come closer to the Lord. And honestly, Nick, sometimes the Lord allows difficulties and challenges in our life so we will look up because sometimes we forget to do that. You know, I've taken to, I used to look up at the ceiling or up at the sky or up at the church roof when I would pray. And lately yeah. I've decided to try to almost turn to my side as if he's sitting or God is sitting, Jesus is sitting with me. And, I like that. Right? It's still different, right? And I thought that was an interesting way to help me stay focused on what that relationship is. And and on top of that, I would also – it used to be help me. It used to be a command. I kind of tr yeah. tried to change to what you would ask your friend to do. You wouldn't yell at your friend to help you. You would say, can you help me? You know? So yeah. I think in, in what you're saying, you know, treating it like it's a friendship, like it's a relationship, um, we've lost that, I think. Well, treating it like that because that's exactly what it is. And he's your father in heaven. You know, Jesus did not say, uh, after this manner, therefore pray, our creator in heaven. Though he is our creator. Or the great, powerful God in heaven. Mm -hmm. He said, after this manner, pray, our father in heaven. You know, hallowed be your name. So I think we need to remember we're talking with our father. Now, that hangs some people up because maybe they didn't have the greatest dad. I never had a father growing up because my mom was buried and divorced seven times. So I have a blank space where a father should be. Others have, you know, had abusive fathers. Some had distant, uncommunicative fathers. Some had wonderful fathers. Well, even if your father was great, you need to understand your father in heaven is not like your father on earth. Your father in heaven loves you. And I'm not saying your father on earth doesn't, but no matter what your father on earth did or did not do, you have a Father in heaven who loves you, who has a plan for you, who cares about you, who wants to hear from you, who wants to care for you and protect you and provide for you and, and wants to change you. And so we need to remember that when we approach God, this is a, a relationship with 
a heavenly father. It seems like you found redemption from that instability in God, that God was able to at least in part fill the hole of, of not having yes. a heavenly father. Yes, I, I have found that. And, you know, he's always been there for me. And, and I've always been able to turn to him. And coming back to when my son died, you know, someone asked me a while back in an interview, what moment of your life, at what moment in your life did you feel God's presence the most? And I had to think about that. And I thought, was it speaking in front of a lot of people in the stadium? Was it the day I got married? Was it uh, even the day when I believed in Jesus Christ? And I had to say, I think the day when I really sensed God's presence with me the most was after I heard the worst news imaginable, that my son was in heaven. And I just literally fell down on my face and on the floor, and I cried out to God, and I sensed his presence with me. And so he's there for us in the days when the sun is shining and the birds are singing, and he's there when the storm clouds are brewing, and it seems like life has come to an end. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Darkest before the dawn. I like that. You felt the, the yeah. real. When it got real, that's when you felt God. And that's, I, I, know the that's right. I know the feeling. Um in switching gears a little bit to this, I think of people in the Bible, especially the apostles, uh, they were definitely ready to rumble, but they were men of peace, it seems, for the most part. At least that's what they became. But I see evil. I see a lot of evil, uh, especially working okay. in the media um, every day, the worst of the worst. Yeah. And it's hard to know how to combat that. I mean, a lot of people, for me, it's easier in my head and my will to say – how do you what do you meet evil with destruction or you you meet it and you destroy it other people take the passive peaceful approach of well if they kill me or they hurt me i will forgive them yeah easy to say not easy to live how again do we balance as we were talking about balance before in in the eternal and the and the worldly how do you balance uh, compromise with evil you know uh, what how do you approach that yeah, it's a good question. Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, loosely paraphrasing him, said something along the lines of, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have someone to forgive. Yes. And, you know, we love this in theory, but when it comes down to reality, uh, it's a harder thing to do. And, you know, I've had situations where people have wronged me and hurt me, and, and I've chosen to forgive them. Not because they deserve forgiveness, but because... It's been said when you forgive someone, you set a prisoner free yourself. And so I think you, you're getting free of a person when you forgive them. Uh, if, and frankly, none of us deserve forgiveness. But for me, you know, I understand in the role that I have as a, as a Christian and as a pastor that I'm going to be attacked, I'm going to be maligned, I'm going to be slandered. It just sort of goes with the turf. Yeah. I think where I get really angry is when I see other people being attacked. It's more my instinct to protect people who can't protect themselves mm -hmm. and speak up for them more than trying to defend myself. Because uh, I know that there's going to be people that will say things about me that are not true. And frankly, it's very hard to combat that, especially in this day of social media and specifically Twitter, where any random person can tweet any random thing about anybody else with very little repercussion. So, you know, I, I don't obsess over that. Uh, you know, there was a great evangelist that once was around. His name was D.L. Moody. And he said, if I take care of my 
reputation, excuse me, if I take care of my integrity, God will take care of my reputation. So I've just always felt like I want to just try to live a godly life. It's not going to be perfect. I'm going to fall short and disappoint people and disappoint myself and sin. But, but you know, if I seek to be a godly person, uh, I, I don't worry about my reputa- reputation so much. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with defending yourself. There's nothing wrong with with speaking up for what is true. In fact, we need to do that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we live in America. And in America, uh, we have the freedom to express our views. And this is, you know, why many believers, I think people find it shocking to get political for a moment, but people find it shocking that evangelical Christians, uh, you know, will support President Trump Mm -hmm. because he's known for rather provocative tweets and, and being rather abrasive at times and and uh but what people don't understand is is this president has has been um one who has wanting to give us and the church the freedom to do what we do best and and not intrude into our affairs and to encourage us to speak out for what we believe and what we stand for and and one value we hold is speaking out for the rights of the unborn and he was the first president to come to the march for life in person right yep. so you know we appreciate things like that here's what we want from government we we don't want to try to force morality on people we don't want to legislate our views and impose them we want to be left alone we want to have the freedom to believe what we believe and seek to persuade people to believe, not force them, persuade them. We want to be allowed to have a voice in the public square and not have someone try to silence us because they declare what we believe is some form of hate speech in their estimation. So, you know, I think that, you know, people often say Christians are intolerant. I find the most tolerant people around are actually Christians. Yes, I do. I find that some of the most intolerant people are the ones that talk the most about tolerance. Because in reality, they want to silence us from having uh, a voice in the conversation. And all we're saying is we, we want to say what we believe and what we believe we believe because we think it's true. And, uh, and we want others to know it. But if you don't choose to believe it, we will accept you. We will love you. We acknowledge there's freedom in our country to believe or not to believe. And I think sometimes we're caricatured and misunderstood as Christians. Well, I agree. I feel we feel the push in media as well. Uh, people of faith. I think other people are afraid or angry or scarred. And, and like you said, that comes out in a very nonsensical pushback. But yeah. Christ was persecuted. There, there. So shall we be okay. as well. But. That's right. That's true. In my career and in what I mentioned I've been through the last I was 14 when it started, so about 14 years of, of both my career and, and my medical stuff, um, saw a lot of death, saw a lot of inhumanity, um, a lot of suffering. And it, it is hard to make sense of. You have moments of lucidity where it feels like it, it all fits somewhere, but yeah. Your, yeah. Your, your speech, you know, your, your preaching rather, and, and our talk here today and the way you put it, uh, it it helps me to continue to make sense of it because it's a never-ending fight, and I wanted to say thank you for that because we need every boost we can get fighting that battle. And speaking with you here today, I can already feel it uh, doing its work, and, and I can feel God in that. So I appreciate it, Greg. Thank you so much, Nick. Yeah. I appreciate if that. If you have any last words, please, you know, anything for young people, for anybody, for people of faith, I'd love you to give your, your final hurrah here if you have anything that you think we need to know uh-huh. and didn't cover. Yes. 
You know, a Generation Z has been declared the hopeless generation. They have the highest depression rates, the highest suicide rates, highest use of pharmaceuticals. And, and I want to say to them that there is hope in what seems like a hopeless world. But you've got to look up because there's a God in heaven who created you. You know, my wife likes to put puzzles together, and I have no idea why because I hate puzzles. But she loves it. She sees a puzzle on the table. She'll stop and start assembling it. So the other day she is working for hours on a puzzle in our house, and she was done, and she said, Greg, come and help me. I'm missing the last piece of the puzzle. So we got down on our hands and knees and looked everywhere and finally found it under one of the chairs, and her puzzle was complete. And I think life can be that way. You know, we have all the puzzle places and peace. You know, if I just get this, you know, career, if I just get this degree, if I just get this job, if I just get this relationship or this new iPhone or this new laptop or this new car or whatever it is you think is that thing you need, when you get it all and everything's there, you say, but wait, the puzzle's not completed. But in this case, the missing puzzle piece is not under a chair. God has it. So you need to look up, and here's what you're looking for. You're looking for a relationship with God. So I would just say open your heart to Jesus Christ and see what he has to say to you. Start, open a Bible. I'm sure you've got one around somewhere. You can find it online. If not, start with the Gospel of John, and uh, and there you find what Jesus says. And I have a website called knowgod.org, K-N-O-W.org. If you go there, I'll explain to you how you can start a relationship with the Lord who holds the missing piece you're looking for. Eye-opening, enlightening, and always peaceful and very zen. Greg, the, the one, the only, the great Greg Laurie. I really appreciate you coming on. It's, uh, it's been amazing, and, and I hope we can talk again soon. Thank you, Nick. It's powerful stuff from a powerful figure. This episode is a little unconventional in that I didn't go straight at him with the questions, but he gave me enough, I think, to be able to tell you what I would have done in his shoes. Biggest moment of Greg's life that he talked about seemed to be the passing of his son, Christopher, who was only 33, 33 years old. Can you imagine that? Losing someone you loved in the prime of their life, so young and, and so vibrant. You heard him. It shattered him. It shattered Greg. It destroyed time for him. Things stood still for him and his wife. Like someone had gone in and scooped the life right out of him. But what did he do? He doubled down. And he loved God even more. And he prayed even more. It's like Tropic Thunder. You know, I don't care if he's crying on set. You got to cry harder, man. Greg prayed harder. And let me tell you something, spoiler alert, it worked. You know, when I spoke to him, I heard a man of peace. I heard a preacher who had questioned his faith, not lost his faith, due to his pain. But within that maze, he found himself once again and works now even more efficiently to help save others. I've had some moments in my life when I feel someone's energy. It's almost magic. It flows through you as well. It kind of jumps from them to you. And for that to happen, for that to occur, it needs to be honest and it needs to be real. And that's what I felt when I talked to Greg. I can't tell you how badly we are in need of that right now. Especially with the politics of the moment and the media, the way it is, the corruption, the lies, 
the inhumanity, not an exaggeration, the idea of humanity within the highest levels of how we make decisions in the country and the world have been disregarded. And uh, we talked a little bit about that in the episode, about social media, how it has dehumanized, how it has divided, how it has made things superficial. You now judge your worth and your cosmic value by how many people liked something you said, did, posted, took a picture of in the moment. Realizing that this is going to fade away, that this is not going to last, that this is a short-term high, but screw it, I'm going in for it anyway. That's what this has become. And we all need a little bit of truth to help light our way when it gets that dark. Make no mistakes, my friends, or as uh, the pastor would say, brothers and sisters, we're in dark times. My grandmother, whom I've mentioned in the podcast before and in this episode, she is a nun. True story. No bull. Twelve kids, worked decades as a nurse at Columbia Presbyterian, met all kinds of people, Babe Ruth, Saddam Hussein, Jackie Onassis, Walt Frazier and Earl Monroe rolled in in pimp outfits once at a bakery near there. They were dressed in like alligator skin jackets. Speaking of, I bet Walt Frazier's probably still wearing alligator skin jackets, but that's why we love them. But point being, my grandma had been through a lot in the real world before she went in to the convent in around 2001. And when I go see her in the convent, I go up and visit her and we get a chance to talk sometimes alone, which is very gracious of my mother, who lets me spend some time alone with my grandma. And it's like having your own personal Yoda. You know, she rolls in four foot one with a, with a staff, like a cane. I haven't seen her do anything magical or Jedi with the staff yet. I'm sure she can. It's more of a, you know, break the glass when needed staff, magical staff. But it doesn't matter. Her words are magic. And when we speak, she always would talk about how the church will look like it's going to recede, like it's going to disappear from the debate from the front of the stage. But it's not going to be gone. The church is us. We are Jesus. And this is to Christians, not just Catholics as well, and any, any people of faith. A church, a community, a temple, uh, a mosque, those are, those are the people. It's not the building. It's not the brick and mortar. It's not even the pastor or the priest or the, how much money's in the bank for that community. It's the people. And like I said, the dark times, my grandmother, I think, is right. We're going to see a recession in faith, but it will come back. It is cyclical. Now, when it comes to what I would have done with Greg doubling down and, and taking that leap, I've never lost a son. I've never even been married or had a son, so it's hard to say. But I have gotten you know, terminally ill uh, and, and come back from it. I have lost my ability to walk for a period of time. Um, I've been through some medical, physical, and spiritual crises. And uh, it did cause me to feel a similar level of pain and to ask the same questions. And I didn't do it as much as Greg did. He went deeper. But the way he went about rebounding, I believe, is the only way. When you lose your way, you always go back to the beginning. You go back home. And home for Christians and people of faith is is church. It is temple. It is celebrating peace and solemnity and, and thought and love. And it's finding that love, that redemption, that acceptance, and that peace 
for us at least, in the arms of Jesus. Taking wisdom from a book that has endured for centuries. Can we take a moment to appreciate that? That these words have stimulated the mind of man with its mission of love and inclusion for hundreds, if not now thousands of years. Now, I've gone back to church in the midst of the crises, and I have doubled down, and I have embraced the Bible you know, in an attempt to get over that trauma and the pain, and it works. Believe me when I tell you, I've hit the lowest basement, and I've kissed the highest clouds. I've seen a lot in between. It works. Unconditional love, peaceful restraint, having a sense of calmness and peace just about you, just knowing that not looking at the passage of time as lost opportunity, but as a chance to build up knowledge and wisdom. And realizing that if we go tit for tat, we go eye for an eye, we'll have blinded each other and robbed ourselves of the eyes we would have used to see what lies beneath, what lies under the veil. I think what we can learn from Greg is that calmness and faith have power and give us strength. Sometimes we need to accept the idea of supernatural means to make sense of hard times. And we even get a few winks and tips of the cap during the good times to let you know that things are connected. Greg said every person, no matter who they are, is not beyond the reach of God. And that we all end up asking ourselves, no matter who we are, three questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And what is going to happen to me when I die? Don't feel scared or have despair when these questions manage to creep past the gate you've put up or the fence that keeps your everyday life separate from that of God and of deep thought. Embrace your mortality. Learn to love how much weight it lends to the other time of your life, that you know, the time that you have left on this earth. Cherish it. And my last thought would be to seek until you're exhausted. Find why you were put here. I, I, I don't know about how you feel out there, whoever's listening. I can't function unless I know I'm on a path to, to achieve that. Because if not, what the hell are we doing here? Killing time for 80 years, 90 years till it's over? No, no, sir. Not me. Just because And just because destiny may exist, it doesn't mean you're guaranteed to live that life that you were meant to live. You have to take part in this too. You must take that outreached hand that's being given to you. Walk down the path being cleared for you. Only when you think deeply and take on that empathy, that love, can the rest of the white noise get pushed to the back. And then bingo. Suddenly, frequency's coming in clear. I hear you loud and clear. What are my orders? And don't let people tell you faith is square or foolish or meaningless because there will come a day, if it hasn't already, and not too far in the future, mind you, where humanity's structures will fail you. You'll be left looking for answers on the hook, and no earthly being can give you that peace and that answer that you're looking for. Only God. So try it tonight. Choose a different path. Allow God to come into your life. Take a risk. Try it. If it doesn't work, then you choose another path. That's up to you. Obviously, free will still reigns. But if you don't try and experience that for yourself... I'm telling you, you'll regret it. But if you follow you know, Greg's advice and you jump in with both feet, I can promise you, at the end of things, you won't regret it. And you'll have found a new and beautiful way to live. And 
when that demon comes a calling, you'll have the tools to fight it back and endure. All right, we're hoping to have you back in two weeks, to be honest. I'm shocked we haven't been railroaded or canceled yet for multiple reasons. Um, None of them on us, mind you. Trust me, uh, people do try. Uh, They do try, but we have fought off one or two attempts to bump us out of the mix. But our mission remains a worthy one, and the people who work with me on this show and who come on this show are pure of heart. So please keep listening. Share the show with friends. Uh, Come on this journey with us. Help us revive the experiment of trying to blend some positivity with truth and, God forbid, a little humor. And let's see if we can't help heal some hearts some minds, refocus on what truly matters, which is where will we be spending eternity and how are we going to get there. So good luck, God bless, pray for each other, love each other, and don't ever, ever give up. Because no matter what, you'll always have a friend in Jesus and also in Jeeves. (laughs) 